Well, if you were here last week, um, we did this little um, object lesson. You guys remember, those of you that were here? And we were talking about um, preparing for eternity. And so we're not going to unravel all of this tonight. But last week we unraveled this. And this is about 100 feet long. But this red part here, does anybody remember what this represents? Our life in comparison to eternity. So, you know, we spend and put a lot of effort and time and thought um, into our life here on this earth. But our life on this earth is very short in comparison to eternity. And remember last week I said that there was a gentleman, I looked it up, said there's a gentleman who lives in Indonesia, I believe it was, and 145 years old. So even at 145 years old, it still doesn't compare to eternity. So I asked, um, I posed a question. I said, if I told you that the next 24 hours of your life, what you do with the next 24 hours of your life will depend on what happens in eternity how your life is affected in eternity. And I didn't ask anybody to answer that question, but I wanted you to think about it. If you only had 24 hours, and you knew within that 24 hours it was going to make a difference in how you spent eternity, what would you do? How would you act? What would you say? What would be your priority? What would be most important to you, to me? What would be most important to us? And so that was kind of what we talked about. Um, we looked at, um, you know, a number of scriptures, but I wanted to um, just remind you of a few things. Um, so I'm going to read because, you know, if I get to um, reviewing too much, then I won't get to today's stuff. So I kind of try to read it a little bit, okay? So um, nowadays many people live to be, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, that's not uncommon. But have you noticed that we've been getting or hearing a lot more reports of people dying in their 20s? Have y'all noticed that? In the news, they, you know, they're talking about, and they're, you, you hear accounts of people dying in their 20s. Um, so that in itself should say something to us. It doesn't matter. You know, we can't wait. You know, a lot of times we say, well, I'll do this when I get to be this age. Or, you know, like some um, people say, well, I'll wait till I get older to get saved. Well, you may not get older. You know? So we can't wait. We can't wait to talk to people about Jesus. We have children's ministry here. We don't babysit. We tell them about God. We tell them about you know, how God loves them. And according to their, their age, they're taught the Bible. They're taught the word. They're taught who they are in Christ. They're taught how to pray. They're taught how to give. They're taught how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're taught these things even at a young age. Why? Because eternity is already in them, really. According to uh, Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 3, verse 11. It talks about how God puts eternity in us. So even at a young age, 
they're sensitive. They're open to the spirit of God. So we don't want to wait, you know, and say, oh, well, they don't understand. Really and truly, my little ones, my children, all of them were younger than five when they got saved. They were all younger than five. And they knew what they were doing. And I remember my oldest, my mom still tells his story how when she was um, a little girl, it was, she would have been three or four years old. My mom was not feeling well, and she had um, a headache. And so my little Heather laid her hands on her and said, Grandma, I'm going to pray for you. And when I pray for you, Jesus is going to heal you. And my mom said instantly, the pain went away. So we can't wait or we can't assume or think, oh, well, they're too young or they don't understand. Their hearts, they, they are alive unto God. Okay? All right. So that's really not my message, but oh, I know how I got on that. Praise the Lord. But I guess somebody need to hear that. So um, this perspective about eternity, it actually should affect our lives. It should affect what we do, what we prioritize, what we see as priority. And um, I talked about, you know, when we were young, we wanted to be a teenager. You know, when you're a little kid, you go, I can't wait till I become a teenager. Then you can't wait to get 18. Then you can't wait to get 21. Then you can't wait, you know, well, then you stop waiting, right? <laughs> Once you get to 21, you know, you're just like, slow it down, slow it down. You get to 60, and you're like, wait a minute. I was just 20. How did I get to 60? You know, so, um, but we live life that way. We live life according to time. That's not how God lives life, but that's how we live life. You know, we see childhood, we see um, teenage years, we see young adult, we see middle age, and then we see mature. Right? And so every one of those categories, we're looking at how we're living life. As a child, everything's taken care of for you. You don't think about anything. You don't worry about anything. You don't wonder where the food's coming from, you know, for the most part. Um, but you see what I'm saying? So you get to be a teenager. Now, now you're trying to figure out, who, who am I? And you're trying to, you know, determine, well, you know, I think I should be in charge of my own life, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I think I know everything. So, I mean, so there's different stages that we, we go through, but God wants us to um, let me, I said I was going to read. We are to focus on living and navigating life on this earth. It's like there is a set plan or pattern that's been set, um, and we're supposed to follow it. So on the earth, um, as we think about the world, so most times when you think about when a child graduates from high school, what's the first thing you think they should do? Excuse me. What's the first thing you think they should do? Say it out loud. Go to college. Get a job. <laughs> that true. Get a job. Go to college. But my thing is not, but is that God's plan for them to go to college? But 
in the world, we have these set plans of how we think things are supposed to be, right? So, yeah, they need, they need to get a job. I agree, they need to get a job because if you don't work, you don't eat. But what is God's plan? You know, so the world sets us up, if you think about it. You know, even think about that phrase, and, and I've said it out of my own mouth, honey, you can be anything you want to be. But really, that's not right. You can be anything God wants you to be. Right? You can be anything God wants you to be. Because, you know, you can get in a whole lot of trouble trying to be what you think you should be. You can waste a whole lot of time trying to do what you think you ought to do. But what does God say? But we set ourselves up, we set our children up, and it's been happening for ages. What we've fallen into a pattern of living life because this is the way it's always been lived or living life because this is the way somebody says I should do it, living life because this is the way the world says it should be done. We've fallen into that pattern and we've kind of left God out of it. And then God is saying, okay, you're doing all this stuff, but what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with my plan? What does it have to do with me helping you to be and to do all that I've called you to do and to be? What does all of that have to do with that? And so it, it makes you stop and think. And then, you know, we don't want to get to heaven and God say, well, and in fact, I saw this video. And so it was showing like different people they were coming up before the, the judgment seat. And so this one guy, um, you know, he was asked, he says, well, what did you do with um, being, an, being an accountant? And he wasn't an accountant. He actually was, he was a pastor. He pastored. And, and Jesus said, I didn't call you to pastor. I called you to be an accountant. Because there were two others of you that you, there were two other people that you were supposed to affect. And you three were supposed to show people how to navigate their finances so that they could further the kingdom of God. He said, I didn't call you to be a pastor. I called you to be an accountant. And I was like, that's pretty deep. So are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we doing what we want to do? Are we doing what the world wants us to do or what we think somebody else thinks we should do? What are we doing? Are we sure we're doing what God would have us to do? So just question. But he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, of course, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So we want to take time to find out what God's plan is for our life while we're down here on this earth. Because if we do what God's plan is for our lives while we're down here on this earth, then when we get to heaven, we can be rewarded because we're doing what God has called us to do. And, of course, there's a lot of stuff in that, but 
that's the first thing. Make sure you're doing what he's called you to do, okay? So we, um, we don't want to fall in, fall in love with this world or the world's way of thinking. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, and let's look at this in the New Living Translation. 1 John chapter 2, verse, um, verses 15 through 17, and it says this. Are you there? Amen? Okay. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So he says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now that, you know, when you think about that, if you love the world, God is saying, if you love this world more than you love me, then obviously you are not, you don't have me. You're, You're not living for me. You're not my child. You don't have the love of the Father in you. So, yes, the world offers, we know the world offers all kinds of things. But that's not supposed to be our, our focus. That's not supposed to be our perspective. And I've said before, and I'll keep saying it, God doesn't care about you having stuff. Right? We just talked about, you know, when we were talking about the offering, that he wants us to have stuff. He wants us to be blessed. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about how God wants to bless his people. So that's not the issue. It's the blessing having, it's it's us having, excuse me, it's the stuff having us. The possessions having us instead of us having the possessions and using it to further the kingdom of God. God doesn't care if you're blessed, as long as you use it for the right thing. Because if you don't, then it becomes detriment. Then it's not, it's not going to bless you. Remember how he says um, that the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow so he makes rich but his way of doing things he doesn't add any sorrow with it amen you do it the world's way oof that's all can be a hard road okay so um, now the definition of craving it is an intense urgent or abnormal desire or longing so this this abnormal desire for physical pleasure to have everything that you see. Oh, I got to have the latest gadget. I got to have the, the, you know, the newest toy, the newest car, the newest this, newest that. Why? 
I mean, you know, again, you put God first and, and if that's your thing, you like cars, that's fine. But to be obsessed with having to have a new car every time, over and over again, for what? Who are you trying to impress? You get in the car and it drives. <laughs> whether it's a Hyundai, whether it's a whatever, a Toyota, whether it's a Jeep like I drive, whatever kind of car, you get in the car and it drives, right? Some of them have a few more gadgets on them and all I think about that, me personally, I think that's just something else to fail. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the, and then they tell me I can't fix something or I can't put a little, you know, something in there to change my lights or something. I got to take it into the dealership. So do you get my drift? Okay. All right. So look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse. And if somebody loves to do cars, that's fine. I'm, that's fine. If that's your thing, that's fine. I have a son who, who likes cars. He's always liked cars, so every three, two or three years, he gets a new car. But, you know, his wife is like, um, we need to stop that. <laughs> so he's slowing down. <laughs> but Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 through 16, it says this, again, the New Living Translation, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continuous sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So these things please God. So the way we live this life will determine how we will spend eternity or what kind of rewards we will receive. I'm going to read um, a few scriptures to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. The new um, King James says it this way. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must, call, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So um, Paul is saying, you know what? We're confident. Yep, we're pleased. Rather to be absent from the body, that's to be present with the Lord, right? But he says whether you're present or whether you're absent, he said the important thing is that you please God. Amen? And then he says that we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one of us may re will receive the things done in our body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. So there is a time where we're going to stand before Jesus, and what we've done on this earth, it's going to be judged. Now, not our sins, because that's already been judged, right? Jesus is already taking care of our sin. But how we live as a Christian on this earth, what we do with our time, what we do with our talent, what we do with our resources, he's going to look at that. 
And he's going to see, did we do what we were supposed to do? Did we do it with the right motives? You know, it's so interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yesterday, yesterday, um, um, I had the, had an opportunity to lead somebody to, to Jesus. And, um, but it was interesting because the Holy Spirit says something to me that really rocked my boat. I was like, okay, Lord, you always got to, you know, check me, put me in check. But that's okay. I want to be put in check. So he said to me, he says, you know what? You still, even though you're winning somebody to Christ, you still have to have the right attitude about that. It can't be about show. It can't be about you, you know, beating yourself, you know, saying, oh, look what I did. It's not about that. And I was like, Lord, did I do that? Was that, you know, because I did say to the staff, I said, hey, everybody, you know, everybody, I was getting everybody's attention. You know, I led somebody to the Lord. But was my motive right when I did that? Now, normally, I don't say much about, hardly ever do I say anything about, you know, sharing the gospel or praying with people. I really don't. I just, I just don't really do a lot of that. I do it, but I don't do a lot of sharing it with everybody else. But when, when, the, when the Spirit of God said that to me, I realized that even with us, Believe in God for 3,000 souls. It is not a competition. It's about people. It's about people hearing the gospel. It's about us having the right motive. And if we'll have the right motive, God will send the people or put us in people's path. But if it's about us, about us putting on a badge and saying, look how many I saved, got saved or prayed with, that's not God. So we have to be mindful. Our motives are so important. When we do things, it could be something good. And you know sharing the gospel is something good. But if our motives are wrong, that stuff's going to burn up. It's not going to go through the fire. It's going to get fired. So our motives... And what we do are so important, even doing good things. Because he says here, good or bad. So we already know what's going to happen to the bad stuff. (laughs) But the things that we see, think are good. You know, I, um, one of the things that that I, I try to remind myself is when I start using that word I, I need to watch it. I did. I thought. I said. I this. I that. Well, how about, you know what? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit helped me. Showed me how to witness to that person. Give God the credit. Give God the glory. Keep yourself humble. Praise God. Because it's not us. It's the spirit of God in us. And if we humble ourselves before God, 
and allow him to use us, he'll use us mightily. Amen? But if we want to make it about us, do you know most of the people, well, all of the people really, that have fallen, that have been in ministry, it was because they forgot it was God. They got in a place where they thought it was all them. Some of them even began to think they were God. And you know, the enemy can use that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm saying. It's so important that we, we remember that we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. But our motives are very important to God. You know, you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, they did. They, they followed the law. They did good stuff. They gave their tithe. You know, they were religious about doing that. But their hearts were wrong. Their motives were wrong. And that wasn't pleasing to God. They didn't get rewarded for that. Praise God. Let me read that to you out of the um, Amplified. It says this. Yes, we have confident and hopeful courage and are pleased rather to be away away from home, out of the body, and be at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home on earth away from him or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to please him, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved being busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So, you know, of course, Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to sinners. Believers will be before the judgment seat of Christ. Sinners are going to be, you know, the white throne, the white throne of of judgment. So um, you can read about that, I think, in Revelations chapter 20. So he's talking to us. So we have to be careful. So this judgment seat, I don't want to get you, you know, um, concerned. Necess- well, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. But the judgment seat, what, what, what is it? It's the judgment seat of Christ is the place where Christ rewards believers for their faithfulness on the earth. Okay, that's what it is. So it comes from the Greek word, judgment seat comes from the Greek word bima, and it refers to an elevated seat where the judge of a, con- of a, a contest set, sat. After the contest, the winners would assemble before the judge and receive their reward or crowns. It was not a seat where people were condemned. It was only a place where people were rewarded. Okay? 
So for believers, we will not be condemned for our sins, as I said earlier, at the judgment seat of Christ. All of our sins have been paid for, and we know that by Christ on the cross. But at the judgment seat of Christ, there will only be reward or loss of reward. So in... Um, Let me, let me put it this way. Think about the judgment seat like when you are graduating um, a commencement service. So, you know, you are there, you're, you know you're graduating, but then you may have some thoughts, well, you know, if I had been, you know, gotten better grades, I... Um, you know, I, I, I could have done better than I did with my grades, okay? Or you, um, so it's kind of like that. So you, 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 you could have did better, but you're still graduating, okay? Um, then some people, they did really great, and so they got honored for whatever, you know, whether it was their grades, whatever kind of... Um, you know, any other kind of awards they may have received, they got those. So the judgment seat is kind of like that. We're going to, Christ is going to judge our works, what we do in this body. But there are going to be those who are going to say, well, I could have did better. I could have did better with what God gave me. But it's too late then, right? But they're still saved. You're still going to heaven. So we thank God for that. Then there's those that will have done, you know, and nobody's perfect, but they will have done as much as they know to do and the best of their ability, and they've given God their all, and then they will be rewarded, and their reward will be greater than the person who didn't do or half did or had the wrong motives or didn't follow the plan of God, right? So, and there are scriptures too that um, can share. We can share with that, so you can see that. Um, go ahead and turn to First Corinthians chapter three, and we're going to look at verses twelve through fifteen. I know this isn't a shouting um, message, but it should be. Because you're, you're going to do what God wants you to do and with the right motives, right? Okay, so, all right. So you know you're going to get rewarded. Your works are not going to burn up. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, New King James says, if, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." The New Living Translation says it this way, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, 
uh, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So what Paul is talking about is building on Christ, building on the cross. What are we, how, if anyone builds on that foundation. So everything that we do should be based on the cross, should be based on what Jesus has done, what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. So it should be built on that. So when we think about doing things, and when it talks about, um, you know, that there is a variety of materials, so gold, silver, and jewels, um, those things can go through fire, right? But that straw and stubble and all that stuff, wood, hay, that's not going to make it through the fire. So when we build on the word of God, when we build on what Jesus has done. In other words, when you are sharing the gospel with somebody, you share what Jesus has done. You don't add anything to it. You don't change the word. You don't tell them, well, you know, there's different ways you can get to heaven. No, there's not. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So you tell the truth. You tell what the word says. So when we're building our lives, when we're t dealing with other people, we want to stick to the truth. We want to build and say what we're saying, do what we're doing based on the word of God. Amen? Because that's what's going to stand. That's what's going to remain. That's it. But the other stuff, you know, uh, I mean... I was thinking it out, I was like, Lord, when we try to appease people, because we don't want to hurt their feelings. But basically what we're doing, if we don't tell them the truth, we're telling them a what? A lie. It's either the truth or it's a lie. So... If we say to people, um, you know, they're living in sin, well, you know, it's going to be all right. No, it's not. It's not. You can lead somebody astray that way. So it's so important that we build what we do, what we do, has to be based on the word of God. And that will stand. And that will go through the test. Our motives are right, and we're telling the truth. We're telling the, what the word of God says. Amen. You know, there were people that Paul was dealing with, there were people who, you know, they were saying, well, you know, Apollos is better than Paul, and, 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 you know, Paul is better than, and they were causing division and stuff. Well, that's not God. To say one is better than the other, that's not God. And Paul is like, hey, 
It ain't got nothing to do with me. It don't have nothing to do with Apollos. It has to do with God. He's the one who brings the increase. I'm sharing the word. Apollos is watering. He's sharing. He's building on that, building on the word. But it's God who gives the increase. It's not man. It's not me. So he's trying to tell them, look, guys, if you build, you've got to, anyone who builds on this foundation, this foundation with gold, with precious stones, silver, precious stones, or build with hay, wood, straw. It has to be the first three. It has to be based on truth. It has to be based on the word of God. So God's not a respecter of persons, right? Every, each one of us has gifts in this room. They're not all the same, but each of us has a gift. Your gift is not better than my gift. My gift is not better than your gift. All of it's needed. All of it's necessary. So I can't go around saying, well, I'm better than so-and-so. Or I could even, can't even say, well, they're, so-and-so is better than me. Because that's not God. So at the judgment seat of Christ, our works will be examined. Some works will be proven to have been uh, done with the wrong motive, like wood, hay, or straw, while others will be proven to be with the right motive, like gold, silver, and precious stones. Christ's testing is compared to fire. The fire will destroy anything that is not of quality. The works which glorify Christ and edify others will be rewarded. Glorify Christ and edify others. Those are the works that will not be destroyed. But the works that primarily are done out of selfishness and pride, there will be a loss of reward. 